is right, we're continuing on in our, uh, that almost did what I wanted to do. <laughs> All right, we're continuing on in our series on Fear Not. And as I was thinking about how to begin or, or uh, introduce this particular passage in this uh, sermon, um, I had an idea that I wanted to try. And what I wanted to do was get up here and sort of be really silent and kind of let everything kind of calm down. And then I just wanted to scream at you as loud as I could, just to see if it would scare you. And, and then I thought better uh, about that, because what ends up happening when we are afraid or we get scared or we become frightened is there's this uh, mental and, and there's an emotional and there's a physiological response that takes place. The amygdala causes there to be a reaction that makes our hair stand up, it makes our heart quicken, it gets us crouched and ready to either be frozen, which we don't stay there long usually, and we either flee or we prepare ourselves to fight. I also know some of you, it would have woken you up from your mid-morning nap, and so I didn't want to do that either. When we're talking about fear, it's good for us to enter into that place knowing that it is an emotion that God himself created for us to have. That fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. There is a reason why God in his designing of who we are allowed the amygdala to be formed so that when there is a threat we will know how to respond to it. We will either run away, usually that's the best thing to do when there's a threat, or we will sometimes have to engage with it in some way. Now, I would dare say today, many of us are not experiencing some imminent threat to our lives, although some are. Some have things that are happening in their lives, and emotionally, mentally, physically, there are threats that are upon them. And so fear is a natural reaction to that. However, as we see in this passage, it's not the place to rest. Fear is not the place to rest. And we catch that happening here in this passage. Just to relive it for you, to replay it, to let you have it in context. What's going on here is Jesus has been walking around. He's healed several people. At the beginning of chapter 8 in Matthew, we see him heal a leopard. We see the faith of the centurion who is coming. His daughter is dying, and Jesus doesn't even make it all the way there. And he just says the word, and the centurion says, I believe that it's so, and he goes, believing that the healing has happened. And then it says, Jesus heals many. Then he looks at his disciples and says, it's going to cost you to follow me. Let's get in a boat. And they get in a boat. Now, Jesus has been healing, 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 healing. And, and so here we know that this is 100% God, revealing all of who God is, but he's also 100% man. And so if you've been healing, 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 you probably are tired. And he lays down and he takes a nap. And a big storm comes up. And it's crashing over so much so that these sailors, some of them sailors, not all of them. I'm sure that Matthew, the tax collector, was like, this is why I hate boats. But most of them are sailors. And they're like there. And they're looking at it. And the waves are coming over. And it's so bad that they're thinking, we're going to die. We're going to die. Where's Jesus? Where's the guy that's been healing all these people? Where is he? Oh, he's snoring. And so they go and they wake him up and say, save us. 
were about to perish. They were frightened. There was rightful fear, good fear. They were going to die. When we are threatened, that, that fear that happens is good, but we don't stay there. When we think about fear today, when we're walking into that place, when we see that there's this moment, here's the thing that is hard for us to remember, is fear is an emotion that is for a moment. It is not the place we want to stay. Physiologically, if we stay in that place where we are heightened, where the amygdala is just kicking off and kicking off and kicking off and kicking off, and I'm saying that word a lot because I had to practice um, how to say it, then what ends up taking place is our heart stays up, we're tense all the time, we lose focus and sight of what maybe reality is, that the fear the thing that triggered that fear might be gone or there might be a way to move into it differently. Julie Nelson is an economist, oddly enough, but she did research on fear. And she says this, Fear, kept unexamined and dammed up for too long, may then be manifest in excess when a crisis finally arrives. We often think that fear is bad, and so first hear this today. When we hear the command to fear not, it's not to stop you from fearing, but it is to say don't rest in that fear. Because if we just sort of bottle it up, when a true threat comes, or even not a true threat, but one that we perceive as a threat then we will respond outrageously towards it because all of that energy has been bottled up. That's what Julie Nelson says. So what does fear do and where does it lead us to? Here's one thing to consider. Fear can produce consideration. When we have a moment of fear, it gives us the ability to evaluate what's going on, to take a look at it, to say, is this a real threat or is this just a perceived threat? What's going on? But fear can also lead to control. We can click into that fear and let it take over our hearts and minds. And in doing that, then we decide we need to control something. That if we just, we've considered it, we've seen it as a threat. Now the best way to handle it is to control it. So either it's to control the threat or control how we're going to respond to that threat. And so we build devices and we build systems and we build ways to engage with that threat in a way that then ends up controlling us. Fear can also produce protection. Look, look, it was smart for them to go wake up the creator of the world. That's, that's good. That's seeking protection. But too often, fear can also lead to a prison. Because we're so afraid that something might happen to us. We're so afraid that 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 thing is going to come true that we've been fearing the most. That we pull away and we imprison ourselves in that fear. That we don't engage in the world. We don't engage with others. We don't engage with our own life. And we close ourselves off emotionally, physically, mentally. I've been hurt too many times. I'm afraid to be hurt again, so I don't engage relationships anymore. 
And now I've built a prison of my own solitude, not able to reach out to those who are near me, who might even be pursuing me. Fear also can produce cooperation for us. We see that with those disciples. It says they all go and wake him up. (laughs) They didn't just go, Peter, he likes you best. He won't get mad at you for waking him up. Go, they're like, let's all go. We've got to figure this out. And sometimes when there is a a combined community threat, when there's a place that is definitely going to bring about destruction or hurt, it is good for us to cooperate to know how we engage with that. But fear, when we stay in that place, it can lead us to division. Because what we can do as we rest in that fear, if we rest there, then those who aren't cooperating the way that we think they should be cooperating become the other that we must destroy in order to overcome what? The fear. So what's taking place here? Ed Welch, when he's talking about fear, he's a counselor and a theologian, says this. That when we first experience that fear, when we step into it, that we need to listen to our fears and hear them speaking about the things that have personal meaning to us. They appear, our fears, to be attached to things that we value. To deeply understand fear, we must also look at ourselves and the way we interpret our situations. Those scary objects can reveal for us what we cherish. They point out our insatiable quest for control and our sense of aloneness. Let's go back to the disciples. They're in the boat. The waves are coming over. The correct response to that is fear. And they act quickly to to move away from that fear. But maybe not quickly enough. Because we see Jesus when he's woken up, he calms the sea and then he looks at them and he says something to them. He asks them, why are you afraid? He says, in this moment, guys, I want you to think about why you're afraid. See what it is that you're holding on to. You've just witnessed me do all sorts of things. You've just been walking with me. You know who I am. Yet in this moment, as the waves were coming over the bow of the boat, you were so afraid for your life. What were you cherishing? What were you holding on to? What have you elevated? Because in those moments, it can begin to control you. It can begin to separate you from the glory that I have for you that is in me. And so he pushes into them and he says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Chris Zielinski, who wrote an article called Fear or Faith, says this. Merely feeling fear is not a sign that our faith has failed. Even as we feel that fear, though we may, must not allow it to take control of our thinking and doing. Instead, we are called to a confidence in God's provision and protection and a focus on him that leads us to act in trust. To enable our faith to overcome our fear, we are to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Now that's what Chris says. Let me just make a little tweak to what he says. He says, to enable our faith to overcome our fear, 
I don't believe we need to overcome our fear. Fear is appropriate. We do not need to be overcome by our fear. Notice the difference. It's not me against my fear. It's not me seeing my fear as something that's attacking me that needs to be overcome. Because as soon as I do that, what response do I have physiologically? I'm afraid of that fear. And all of a sudden, I'm back at it. And I start this vicious cycle that what I'm fearing most is going to come true. And I'm the one perpetrating it happen. Because I've said, I've got to overcome it. I've got to beat it up. No. What could have an option been for those disciples when they saw the creator of the world manifest in Jesus Christ, living there, full 100% God, 100% man, sound asleep in the storm? What could they have done? They could have curled up and taken a nap. They could have thought to themselves, well, there's the creator of the world. There's Jesus, the Messiah. This is the one that we've followed and believed in. This is who our faith is in. Where's my pillow, Lord? Can I just lay down with you? Now, in some of our cases, we have this desire to continue to fight or to flee. But what Jesus says is, when, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. He reminds them that they have elevated something outside of who he is and the place that he has for them. And when we recognize who Christ is, when we see who Jesus is and, and the work that he has done, the mightiness that he is, the fact that he's overcome all things, then in that moment we have the ability to experience our fear correctly, to, to know that it is true, that there's a, something that is going on there that is right, and then to move through it to rest and faith. That's why he says, why is your faith? So small. Now, many of you here are still thinking, yep, yep, that's good. And you're thinking, yep, but you don't know the thing that I'm facing. You don't know the fear. And I'm so worried that in my fear that that God is looking down and he's judging me. He's saying, you have little faith. You have little faith. Listen again. He says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose up and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. In that moment, who does Jesus rebuke? Is it the disciples? No. It's the sea. God, when he engages with us, is not coming to bring rebuke to us in our moments of fear. Why is that? Well, first of all, he's the one that created our ability to be afraid. Secondly, he knows that we are small and little and that our faith is small and little. And he says, I want to walk with you in that. Let me remind you that, yes, while there are things that will bring fear to you, there is nothing to be afraid of. And so fear is good, but it's not our resting place. Beside Jesus, 
in the storm is our resting place. And he will calm it. Philip Yancey, in an article, reminded us of a story of a German prison camp during World War II. That unbeknownst to the guards that were in that camp, the Americans that were in that camp as prisoners had built a makeshift radio, very much like Hogan's Heroes. And one day the news came through that radio that the German high command had surrendered and the war had ended. But that fact didn't get communicated to the German guards because of communication breakdown when the high command had ended the war. But with them in the Americans, it was beginning to spread throughout the camp and that they knew that the war was over. And a loud celebration actually began to break out. And for three days, the prisoners were hardly recognizable to the guards because the prisoners were singing and they were waving at the guards and they were laughing and they were laughing at the German shepherds and they were sharing jokes over their meals. And then on the fourth day, the prisoners woke up and all of the Germans had fled, leaving the gates unlocked. The time had w of waiting had come to an end for them. It had finally hit. Philip Yancey says this, and here's the question I ask myself. As we Christians face contemporary crises, why do we respond with such fear and anxiety? Why do we... Why don't we, like the allied prisoners, act on the good news we say we believe? What is faith, after all, but believing in advance what will only make sense in the reverse? You are facing things that are causing you fear today. Acknowledge it. Don't run from it. Say, yes, I'm afraid. But don't stay there. If you don't have Jesus, know that he is wanting to hold on to you. And if you do, know that he is wanting to hold on to you. He knows you. He wants to walk with you through that so you don't stop in your fear. But you move forward in faith to claim the rest that only he can give. Let me pray for us. Father, let us hear your words, God. Let us know that it is true. We know that it is hard, and there are things in this world that cause us anxiety and fear, some real and some not. But no matter what, we feel fear. It attacks us. So be bigger. Be bigger. Open our eyes so that we can see you. Open our eyes so that we can know. Open our hearts so that we can believe. Open our ears so that we can hear from you and from each other that Jesus, you are our rest. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up.